Hello and welcome back to another episode of Otafu Susume, or Recommendations for My Otaku Spouse. I'm Wesley. And I'm Jen. So let's get started. We are here with another one of our Halloween extravaganza episodes. Is it really that much of an extravaganza? You can hear the excitement in my voice. I can. You sound so excited. Thrilled. Exuberant. Overjoyed. Okay, that one actually sounded a little more, like, it sounded like it had some emotion in it. Aha, see? I can do it. You can fake it. That's how I've gotten through most of my life. Ouch. (laughs) As your wife, that's rather disconcerting. Well, there we go. Jesus Christ, starting off on a good point. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) So what Halloween thing are we talking about today? This time we're going to be talking about a Batman comic. Batman. Batman. The Long Halloween by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sal... Wow, I should really look up how to pronounce these names. Give me a second. Written by Jeff Loeb and art by... Well, there's no pronunciation for this guy. Tim Sale? Tim Sale, Tim Sally. I'm not entirely sure between the two. S-A-L-E. That spells... Sale. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, this was one of their collaborations. They actually did quite a few collaborations, but as this one was Halloween-themed, I thought it would be a great one for us to read. Wait, really? They did a bunch of collaborations? Yes. What other ones did they do? They did a really good Superman one called Superman for All Seasons. Another seasonal one? Yes. (laughs) They also did a lot for Marvel. They did the color series for Marvel. Uh, Spider-Man Blue, Hulk Gray, Daredevil Yellow. And they were supposed to do Captain America White, but I don't know if that one ever came out. Because the other three kind of came out, bang, 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 and then there was supposed to be a Captain America White, but I don't know. Have you told me about these before? I feel like they sound very familiar. Yes. Yes, I have. Okay. But they were all pre-podcast, so I couldn't make you read them when I said, Jen, you should read these. They're amazing. Well, I still haven't read them. And then one of the times when we moved box that they were in went missing. I'm sorry. The Long Halloween went missing. Superman for All Seasons went missing. All the Marvel ones went missing. <laughs> oh no, so all of them by these guys went missing? Yes, they're all in the same box. But luckily he still managed to get hold of a digital one for me to read. So yay. Yeah, yeah, so we were able to read through it. But I'm sorry. I feel really bad now. <laughs> it was somewhat interesting reading it digitally though. Because comic books are an interesting breed. Um, that's one way to put it, yes. Yes. But why in particular? Well, because when you think you've got everything perfectly set up to read it in a way that's comfortable, all of a sudden along comes a two-page splash page, Mm. and you're going, this doesn't fit my screen at all. Now I have to zoom in. Yes. 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 The other interesting thing about it was how saturated all the colors were, because I had the original trade paperback version of this. Ooh. And so it was on the type of paper that comics used to be printed on, which definitely wasn't the high-gloss, super-saturated thing that you see now. It was a rougher, almost more print... Not even printer paper. It was like a lower weight than printer paper even. Mm. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. your copies of Fables. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of paper. And so even though, you know, it wasn't sun-bleached or anything, the colors still weren't as vibrant and in your face. Mm -hmm. But these are definitely quite bright. This was very bright. So that was a little bit different for me looking at it. But that was me looking at it, having not read it for years. But this was you looking at it, not having read it ever. Correct. What are your basic impressions? We can go into detailed stuff in a bit. but uh, Basic impressions? Yes. This was a 13-issue mini run in late 96, early 97. Yes. 
It was definitely not like modern Batman stories. How so? It actually had a beginning and a middle and an end and lots of twists and turns. And it actually had a complete story that it told. Yeah, yeah. Which is not something you see very often nowadays. Probably one of the reasons I bought it. (laughs) (laughs) No, it it used to be more free, I feel, with doing kind of these Elseworld stories. Well, this one wasn't really an Elseworld. It was... It was kind of early in Batman's career. Like, he had established himself as a relationship with Gordon and with Dent. And... But it did seem like nobody really knew who the Joker was. Um, Batman, it seemed like... These weird characters which only just come on the scene. Yeah, yeah. It was, to put it in kind of a modern retelling, it was the first Christian Bale Batman movie. Yeah. Where you've got more, yes, but you've got more like, you know, the mob controls Gotham and the freaks are moving in. Yeah. And so there still was Arkham. You know, you've got the place to throw them all. And they've, people know about them, but it's not just them in Gotham at the moment. Yeah, it definitely felt, like I said, a lot earlier on in Batman's career. He he seemed to be a lot more violent. Um, he had his, obviously, the line he never crosses, which is to, you never kill people. But he still seemed a lot more aggressive. And um, I know he did, he did stuff that I wouldn't have expected, like, modern day Batman to do. Which stuff? Um, like, team up with Dent to set a bunch of money on fire. Yeah, I think that was a bit anarchistic. I think that's that's another scene, of course, that they stole for the second movie with Christian Bale, yes. but the Joker's one who lights it on fire. But I think that is one of the reasons that I've been really turned off of modern Batman. Because is, he's too much of a goody two shoes. No, not that he's too much of a goody two shoes, but that he's too perfect. Ah, like they yes, call, there's a term for it online where they call it batwank. <laughs> And it's because <laughs> is it, it is, yeah. And it's just the authors, you know, it is, you get the fans, you get even the people writing it now. You know, the old line is you got the fans writing the comics now. And you'd be like, oh, that's great. They love it. And it's like, yeah, but they get a little too tied up sometimes. Mm-hmm. And they're unwilling to let him fail. Let him fail. Yeah. Batman failed twice in this comic. And I think it worked really well. Like it had me hooked it kept he, me reading yeah he, he he makes little mistakes here and there is he still batman? he makes big mistakes he makes big mistakes yeah but i mean like he makes two big mistakes but there's a bunch of little mistakes he makes through it as well mm-hmm. and i think that's good for a character yeah i like seeing characters fail so long as they grow from it learn from it and grow from it i mean you need a character with flaws mm. in order to make them believable and not boring yes but like you said you need them to actually not make the same mistakes over and over again Yes. And I think, again, as I was saying, I think that's why I don't like reading a lot of modern Batman is because they've just fallen too much into the Batman can do anything. And even if you think you've got him on the ropes, it's just one of his plans. Yeah, because Batman has a plan for everything. Or something in his bat belt, utility belt, whatever. Okay, no, that was from like the 50s, 60s. It still feels like it in modern comics. (laughs) He's always pulling some stupid little gadget out. I mean, like shock repellent? Okay, that was the old one again. <laughs> I, I also think, though, that you're given more freedom when you're doing a miniseries like this mm. to tell your story because you're not going to sit there. You're not going to start a story and then two months in, editorial is going to come and be like, by the way, we're doing a crossover event, so uh, weave it in. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. This kind of reminded me of um, uh, Katana Monogatari, which I... 
only made you watch a few episodes, but we need to watch all of it. Where what they did was they released an hour-long episode every month for a year, which I guess is the, kind of what they did with Fate Stay Food as well. Yeah, yeah that's a lot shorter. Yes, but that was a lot shorter. Um, and it seems like with this, they released, you know, a condensed story. Like, the cha- each chapter felt like its own mini-story about um, sort of the Batman, Gordon, and Dent versus the mobsters... And then this mysterious serial killer is killing off mobsters called Holiday, and he does it on every holiday. And so um, that's kind of what each chapter is about, a holiday, and about sort of a noir feel murder mystery. Yes. But it's this year-long on-running investigation that they're trying to hunt down who the serial killer is, while also trying to stop the mobsters from, you know, doing their dastardly deeds. Mobster's going to mob. Oh, no, mob just means NPC now. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> translation joke. Um, and so I, I, I was surprised by how quickly I read this. I'm not normally, like, I normally, I'm a slow reader. Um, but I, like, just whizzed through this. I was really surprised by how quickly I was getting through it. I think that this story also did something that I really like that you don't see in some modern comics again in that they used the medium to its extent and they showed what they could show and they told what they had to. Yes, they didn't bog it down with anything unnecessary. Yes, you'll see, sometimes you'll open a modern comic and there's so many just word balloons over a page. It's all talk, no show. Yeah, Yeah. there wasn't, actually that's probably why I sped through is that there weren't many, there wasn't much dialogue. But when there needs to be, there is. You know, when you get him and Gordon or Gordon and Dent or Dent and him or the three of them or you have the mobsters coming together and, you know, planning mobster things, there is dialogue when it needs to be there, but you don't have a lot of pointless exposition. Mm -hmm. They let the story tell itself and they let the reader almost fill in some blanks here and there because the story is a good enough job to make the characters that you can go, okay, this is how these characters would do this. And it and makes the art. sense. And the art as well, like the expressions. I was not a fan of the art at first, but then I think anything that had people in, I didn't like, but anything that had the costumed characters was gorgeous. His Batman Catwoman scenes oh, so are good. fantastic. Holy shit. Tim Sale, Tim Solly, whatever, I'm going to take myself every time I say the name, is definitely an acquired taste when it comes to art. Personally, I think it's really good. I just, I really just love his lines and everything. And yeah, the characters aren't super pretty. But you can still see their emotion and their, in their body language and their expressions. Yeah, very much so. Um, he has a very flat, stark, black and color palette style yeah and that's part of what i was saying at the beginning that the saturation really threw me because again when i first read it it was more muted which i also think slightly fit a batman tone Mm. something like this might do a lot better with the superman book that i was telling you about you know they probably did what disney did and like oversaturated everything to make it to resell it uh they did that with one of the most famous batman comics ever um, Hush? The Killing Joke. Oh, that one. The Killing Joke. Actually, they kind of did the opposite of that one. When that one was first re- released, it had a whole bunch of weird psychedelic colors and everything in the coloring. And when they re-released it, they recolored it to be drab, muted, and brown. Oh. A.K.A. realistic, quote-unquote. But I I don't know if it worked for that one. But for this one, yeah, I, just, I really love the line. There's the page where there's kind of Batman's rogues gallery all sitting in an office. Mm-hmm. Where you just have, I don't know, 
half a dozen or so villains sitting there. And I I really like that one. <laughs> I really like the scenes where you had, um, like you said, Batman and Catwoman on scene. But Batman's cape always seemed to, like, take up most of the panel. Mm. Actually, Batman himself seems to take up most of the panel and it just seems to drape around and be really dramatic. I, I thought they were cool. Yeah, you can, even with the limited color palette, you really, really get, get, get a good sense of daytime and nighttime mm. or dark and light, which for Batman I feel is very important. It's not to give away any spoilers, but a lot of Batman stories are about the sense of like duality. Bruce Wayne and Batman. Very much it is it is day and night. Day and night. And so when the art can really help feed into that, I think it works really well. That was a problem again that I've had with more modern comics or that even with some of the Batman movies that came out, is that the whole movie is dark. It's so dark. So dark. Are you sure you're not from the DC universe? <laughs> and so when it's so you need you need the light to give the contrast. You know, it's like they say, like, in the, what is it? In the brightest light, you get the darkest shadows. And so I think the art really fed into that in this. But you didn't like his people. No. I mean, I think I turned to you and said, um, made a rude comment about Selena looking funny. Um, oh, you did in one part, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, at, right at the start. Um, I didn't like his people style. Like, all the women seem to have, like, really thick eyeliner. Yeah, I think that comes... Partially from what you're saying, where it's either a color or it's black. Yeah. But, yeah. But I think it really made up for the fact that anybody costumed was really well done. I loved how they how he did the Joker. And he, he drew it in a very, him in a very, like, almost pole-thin style with these really long teeth. Really thin, long teeth that were sticking out of his face and very exaggerated expressions. But I think it worked really well. He's disgusting. Yeah. But it fits the character. Yeah, it fits the character really well. <laughs> and when he goes around doing creepy stuff, it kind of makes it just a little bit more creepy. I mean, that's, again, I think another thing where I noticed Batman was being quite violent was when he literally punches the Joker's teeth out, like, twice. Yeah. I wonder... I grew up with the Batman animated series, and also in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And... Do -do -do -do. He's punching people all the time in that, but because it's a kid's cartoon, they don't show it on stage. And, of mm. course, the, one of the common jokes, memes, whatever about Batman is wham, thwack, pow. Oh, that's from the 60s again. Again. But so I guess I didn't feel the violence is overtold as much. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know if I need to revisit it now with this. Is he hyper-violent in this one or? I don't know. I guess it just, for some reason, I made a note of it. No, it's fine. It I, it's, at me. I think it's an interesting way to look at it and it makes me revisit how I view the character in the story speaking of the character in the story yes for the greatest detective in the world at, at least according to the modern comics he's stupid what he's so stupid how so and I don't mean obviously I think the the overarching serial killer mystery was really 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 well done and the hints that they had it really did have them stumped for a whole year trying to chase this um, person down but the fact that Selena turns up in her sexy dress oh. and she has these bracelets and then five seconds later Catwoman turns up and she's wearing exactly the same bracelets every time you see Selena and every time you see Catwoman she's wearing exactly the same bra bracelets I'm like Bruce 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 
I think... Roll your perception. <laughs> I think that's on purpose. I know it's on purpose to say, be like, oh, this character is this character. No, I think it's on purpose in the story. How Because so? you mentioned that to me when you'd started reading it, when yeah. you made a rude comment about how Selena looked. And so I went back and reread this myself before we talked about it. And I think storyline-wise, even though they don't explicitly say it, and even though this isn't really canon... I think Batman and Catwoman and Bruce and Selina know who each other are. I don't think so. I mean, there was a bit where Batman um, is being controlled by somebody and Catwoman comes in and saves him. And later on, no, not Batman, Bruce is being controlled by someone. Catwoman comes in and saves him. And then later on, Batman goes to Catwoman and said, thanks for saving Bruce. He's a friend of mine. Um, and so that's why I think that they weren't really... They, they don't know who each other is. Ah? Is. I still think, though, that there was a little bit of kind of a wink to the audience who would be more familiar with Batman, that they did know each other, because there's bits where they're having conversations that seemed to almost stop and start between being Bruce and Selina and being Batman and Catwoman. So their conversations would kind of continue? Between Sometimes, kind of. I, I don't know. I agree that if he doesn't know it does make him look really stupid in this comic but then again it could also be like i said a more of a visual hint to the audience because they don't outright say that selena is catwoman so i wonder if it's a visual clue to the people reading rather than to bruce true because as we said at the beginning this is somewhat of a mini series and so for the people who are big batman fans they're going to know who all these characters are but i think that it also does a good job at slightly onboarding people who might not be as familiar. For the big names like Batman and Bruce and the Joker, they don't do as much, but for some of the other rogues, like especially for Scarecrow, when he shows up, they do give you a quick little, here's who Scarecrow is. They don't you know, go way off on this tangent and be like, here's this whole origin story and blah, 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 yada, yada, but they do make sure that you understand who the Scarecrow is and what he does. So I think that works pretty well. And I noticed that they, I think because they released it once a month for a whole year, they had a little um, thing in every chapter that said, hey, this is who this character is, even if that character turned up earlier. Not, again, for the big names, but like you said, Scarecrow. I think turns up a few months after his first appearance, and they said, oh, yeah, this is Scarecrow. Yeah, they they don't do that as much for, like, the miniseries characters, like the mobsters we could talking about, the Falcone family. Or even, like, Mad No, Mad Hatter did get instruction but yeah no not the main characters yeah there, there's there's definitely some of them i think you don't really get much for solomon grundy or people like that born on monday yes but it does a much better job at onboarding people hmm. than modern western comics yes which i think is a problem that modern western comics need to solve i think it's something they've been trying to solve for the last decade i i mean remember the reboot uh, DC 52 reboot. Um, DC did a recent reboot and then unreboot. Marvel did a recent reboot. They it keep so many reboots. They keep doing reboots, heavy quotations on that, but it's really just a chance to renumber things to one so that if you happen to be watching the movies, like the Marvel cinematic movies are making bank at the moment and the DC movies are trying to be the Marvel movies, they're like, oh, here's a great place for you to jump into the comics. And it's really not. But they're not really. No. They still expect you to know a bunch. And they, like you said, they tie into everything. Yeah, there's just, there's constant tie-ins. So even if you start reading something, because you're like, oh, I like this movie, and I'm going to go start reading this from the rebooted version number one, mm -hmm. 
within a year, it's going to get into a major crossover with half a dozen other titles. There's going to be no easy way to read it. Mm-hmm. And even when the trades come out, there's still no easy way to read it. No, oh, because it'll be like, oh, go to this comic to read this story, which explains why this character is randomly turning up in the comic you're reading. Which is a pain in the ass. Which is why I never got into Marvel and DC. <laughs> and But it's, I think it's, it's a modern problem. Because when you look at old events, even the big ones, like... You know, the big Marvel event that just happened in the movies, Infinity War, mm. was based off of a comic Infinity War. But if you want to go read Infinity War, you buy the volume that says Infinity War and you read it cover to cover. Mm-hmm. If and you it want, tells a complete story. And it tells a complete story. If you want to go read any modern major event, you have to buy half a dozen different trades. And then you have to read like a chapter from this one and a chapter from that one and a chapter from this one. And anyone who isn't already invested is going to give up. Yeah. Especially when you have something that does it better already on the scene. You mean Image Comics? No. Yeah, Image Comics. <laughs> Actually, Image has their own problem, but Image has their own problem. No, I'm mainly talking about manga at this point. Mm. Yeah, there was a big thing, big news article that came out recently that over the pandemic, uh, graphic novel sales were way up, and a bunch of Western comic related people were glad-handing themselves and back-patting themselves on Twitter and being like, oh, yeah, aren't we so great? Aren't we so great? They hadn't read the article? No, you go read the article, and it's all about the fact that manga is selling tons. Mm -hmm. Which is completely believable. I mean, I follow a couple of people who own comic stores or who are very involved in the comic industry in America, and it's all, like, if you don't have a manga section, then your comic shop's going to... Well, if you don't have manga and board games, then your comic shop is going to flop. Oh, what I've heard is that the three things you want your comics book shop to sell are manga, magic cards, mm. and pop figurines. Yes, pops. Sorry, I guess, yeah. No, so you're absolutely right. It's like comic shops don't survive by selling Western comics because Western comics don't know how to sell themselves anymore. Ooh. And they keep doing these, st- I mean, you know, everyone looks back on the 90s in comics as like, it was its bubble economy that burst. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, you know, they kept coming out with like multiple variant covers and shiny holographic this and shiny holographic that and all the all these a bunch of renumbers and Pokemon restarts. Cards? Kind of. <laughs> Our Pokemon cards are still making money and com- Western comics aren't. <laughs> but you had this big issue and comics... You had multiple big issues. That's the problem. That's the problem. And then <laughs> comics started dying out and, you know... It, they're not actually doing anything to fix it. Yep. Actually, there is... Um, okay, so one of my favorite comic artists is Stevan Sejic, who he mostly publishes under Image Comics. Okay. Um, he does Sunstone. Yes. And he recently um, did some work for DC, releasing, because he's also a massive Marvel and DC fan, and he released a whole complete story about Harleen, Harlequin called Harleen. Yes. And it has... It has just a story. It doesn't tie into anything else. It's just her story. And it was one of the best-selling comics for several months. It sold a lot of copies. Because it's a popular character, and you don't need to have years and years of backstory, and you can buy it, and you're one and done. Exactly. And that's what they need to do. Unfortunately, um, because of his health, he's he's also said that he had a whole plan for, like, um, Selena and for, I forget, Ivy's real name. Pamela. Thank you, Pamela. And he had a whole series planned for all of these uh, women 
And unfortunately, I think um, DC's scheduling for artists is really tight. And so he ended up uh, scrapping it all for health reasons. So he was doing the Birds of Prey. <laughs> no, sorry, the Gotham City Sirens. Yeah, he should have done that. That would have been so good. Uh, if only DC didn't run him into the ground. Yeah, it's... And they just keep doing it. Like, And the trick is that every time it feels like they're going to fix something, they ruin it again. I'm going to yes. jump way too back far in time here. Green Lantern got a reboot a decade ago, maybe? What, 2010? Maybe. Maybe just before that. Mm. And coincidentally, the writer at the time was the guy who wrote this, Jeff Loeb. Really? I'm pretty sure it was him, yeah. No, Joff Johns did that one. Joff Johns? One of the two did that one. Okay. I can't remember who. But but one of the old god. But they were going to do this big reboot on Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. And they pretty much just gave him Green Lantern for a while. And he wrote Green Lantern, and he wrote Green Lantern Corps. And when it came to an event, it was a Green Lantern event, and he wrote the Sinestro Corps War. And he told the story he wanted to tell, and it wasn't all roses. You know, it had its rough spots, as any comic does, and those types of things. But it had a new issue one that was actually an issue one where if they were going to bring something back from the past to do somewhat of an explanation and or enough of an explanation that you could go Google it and get a synopsis. Within the story, not within another comic. Yes. And it all worked out pretty well. You know? But unfortunately for him and for me, it was popular. And uh. you're like, why would that be unfortunate? And it would be unfortunate because he's telling this whole story and it comes up to the next big event that he wants to tell. And instead of letting him tell the event, the publishers step in. The DC steps in and says, hey, Green Lantern's popular. So this idea for a story you have called Blackest Night that you've been spending all this time building up to through issues and issues and issues, we're now going to make that a company-wide story. We're going to cross in every major book we have. We're going to have a bunch of different mini-comics. It's going to be completely impossible to follow this from one comic to the next without some sort of flow chart. And then when we release it as trade paperbacks, it's going to be in half a dozen books. So they EA game loot boxed it. Yeah. And EA. I stopped reading Green Lantern. And I haven't read it since. Wow. I wonder how many people they did that to. I mean, it's like I said, I remember when the, the 52 reboot came out shortly after we started dating. Was it that long ago? Yeah. Okay, well, they've done another reboot since then, I think. Oh, yeah, no, I think they definitely have done another reboot because the 52 flopped horribly. Okay, because there was one, I think, called Flashpoint, which I think was actually a spinoff of Darkest Night. Oh, my God. Blackest Night, Blackest Night. So um, I remember when the 52 reboot happened, and I was like, oh, great, there's this guy I really like who I'm dating, and I kind of want to show off, and I'm a bit of a nerd, so why don't I take this opportunity to get try and get back into Marvel and DC Comics? Or at least, I mean, obviously, 52 was DC. And so I remember buying a couple of paperbacks and even then early on they started going all over the place and was like never mind i think we got a couple read them and was like "Mm, nah none of these are really grabbing us and i remember you even read like some spider-man after that i mean obviously that's marvel not dc but you read some spider-man and was then then you're like no they've done it again i'm never reading it again well yeah spider-man lost me after brand new day and i lost a lot of people after brand new day and then i jumped back in what did the, the new day do no, not the new day. And, <laughs> and then I jumped back in with, you know, a bunch of people were saying, oh, it's back to just Spider-Man again. Peter Parker, Spider-Man, the kind of stuff that you want him to do. Mm. 
and I was like, okay, I'll give it a read again. I started reading through it, and eventually I was like, I just, I, I, think, I just don't care anymore. I think that's the problem as well. So I noticed that while reading, going back to The Long Halloween, is that The Long Halloween is a, as you say, contained story. You don't need to know anything about Batman to read it and highly enjoy it. However, once you've read it, I don't think there's any point reading any other Batman because it tells the Batman story. Um, and I think that's the problem, is that either you tell the Batman story again... Or you take it somewhere different, which pisses off fans. I think it's the same with every hero. Like when Spider-Man was, I'd only heard about this, I never read it, but when his, he was like, his body was possessed by Doc Ock. Oh, that's when I dropped it again. Yeah, yeah. sorry, that's actually the exact part when I said I'm tired of this shit and I dropped yeah. it again. They were trying to do something different and because of that, they alienated their audience. But if they try and do the same thing over and over again, it's boring. And so they, I think they overcomplicate it. I was completely okay work. with Spider-Man getting possessed by Doc Ock. What I hated was every other character's reaction to it because he's got tons of friends and tons of family and he's an Avenger and nobody noticed that he was acting completely different for plot related reasons because mm. you can't have him find out yet, of course. So it was unbelievable. In that it was unbelievable and it was stupid and I hated the whole thing. They used it as a sense to undo anything good Peter had done for himself. And I was like, what's the point of me reading it if you're just going to do these resets like this? Mm. And that's one of the issues I think Western comics has is they're so beholden to their canon. But if you had decided to say, take a year of Spider-Man comics, whatever, bi-weekly, 24 issues, and tell me a story in those 24 issues, or take half a year or do it monthly and give me 12 issues and just tell me a story like they did with The Long Halloween or even in Batman um, to look at another story, uh, Batman Hush, mm. which was written by Jeff Loeb illustrated by ah, someone else but it was written by him yeah and that one fit into the canon that they were telling at the time and it mm -hmm. still does it's still considered a canonical event which yeah. this one is not oh really yeah this this is there's a big twist in the story i don't want to give away it's kind of acts as an origin story for someone and that's not canonically how he was it's kind of canonic it's yeah uh, I, yeah. I get what you mean. yeah okay so that's not canon but hush is yeah and but hush still worked they had a story, they told the story, they didn't get lost and fly off the handle and go a bunch of different ways, and it worked. And if you want to tell stories like that, I'm totally fine with it. I mean, I in one way, I think the movies are doing that. I think the movies started very well, but I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe is again losing me. Mm, yeah. What you, when you were saying that they had the big, um, uh, the, the most recent movie, what was it? Endgame. Endgame. Infinity War. Infinity War. It's it's a movie that's split into two three hour long movies, but you need to have watched the twenty one movies that came before that to have any idea what's happening. To have any idea what's happening? Yes. And I even remember uh, apparently there was a lot of people who were like, oh, well, this Endgame movie is pretty popular. We'll go see it, having never seen any of the other movies. That's a problem, but it's also it it kind of turns into fatigue. Yes. I am more than willing to essentially be done with the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this point because yeah, I saw included. Endgame and it's done. So, I guess Corona was one good thing that came from it is the fact they haven't been able to release any movies this year. Otherwise, they would have had a bunch of theaters, but yeah. But I mean, otherwise, they would have released like two or three movies, which is a shame because they finally gave Black Widow a movie, and I can't see it. But on the flip side, but on the flip side, I'm also really tired. <laughs> Spider-Man Spider Verse. Ooh. Yeah, that was good. Spider-Man Spider-Verse was, was really good. But that was a one-off contained story. It was a one-off, and that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. You don't have to do it in one issue because that's 20 pages and you're not doing anything done in that time. But if you get these 
stop letting fanboys write your comic. <laughs> May just, you know, give them to people who know how to write stories. Make someone give you a pitch. Say, "Hey, here's the story I want to tell. Here's the beats I want to hit. Here's how it's going to fit into issues cuz we still have to release those and then it'll be done and you can put it out and you can market however you want and then you get another one of those." But that is also a huge issue in western comics is that um there are loads of really talented writers who are pitching ideas but they aren't being given any opportunities they're always going to the same big names whether they can write a good story or not yeah it's because they're not making any money so they're trying to bank on the story that they think they have instead of taking more risk exactly i know and why they're doing it i just think that it's they're annoying. slowly driving well they're also day after day more and more people leave yeah you know pull lists at comic shops are down to nothing nowadays because people just don't care yeah and you were t- saying, oh, they're going to come out with a Black Widow movie. So you go and you watch the Black Widow movie. And you go, this is amazing. And you want to go into the stories, you want to read a Black Widow comic. Mm. Yeah, good luck. I mean, they'll have the trade paperbacks of older issues, maybe. Oh, wait, are there any Black Widow comics? You know, I haven't looked. It's just, it's a mess. There's no jumping on point. But... Especially because then they also, like, when something like an Infinity War came out, they had like all the comics out. So then there's too many origin stories for all of these characters. But anyway, sorry, but. But on the flip side, you know what just came out in Japan? Kimetsu no Yaiba? Yeah. Demon Slayer movie just came out and it broke every record at the box office. On a global scale? On a global scale. And it only came out in Japan? And it only came out in Japan. Yep. You know what Japan did when the movie came out? What? They did a new print run of volume one of Demon Slayer. Uh, they should have done more than that because... Well, they probably did, but I'm just saying. I was I was reading a top-selling sell, top manga for a week, for the last week, in Japan. And out of, what was it, 26 manga, only four were not Demon Slayer. Yeah. The other 22 volumes were all Demon Slayer of the top-selling manga. But outside of things like Golgo 13... You always know exactly. I mean, even Golgo 13, you know where to start if you want to. Mm. But oh, One Piece, God, that's too long. But it's, yeah, it's just easier. Yep. It tells a story and it gets out, barring and, shonen comics. No, 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 because it is a show. Well, Kimetsu no Yaiba is a shonen comic. And it finished. And it is finishing. Um, Yakusoku no Neverland is a shonen comic and it's finishing. They're actually learning h- how to finish Comics, which makes me more excited to read it because that means, oh, there's going to be an end. I'm going to have a conclusion. You're going to tell a story and not have to drag it out for 20 years because an editor tells you you have to. Exactly, which is the problem with Western. Well, I say, well, you say Western comics, I mean DC and Marvel. And it's not even 20 years for them. I mean, you look, I'm, my 20 year gag <laughs> it's like was. Two months before it gets dropped. <laughs> no, it's not. It's just my two year, my 20 year gag was more thrown at like something like One Piece, which started oh, in the 90s. Whereas you look at these characters we keep talking about, Batman, Superman, Mm. and they date back to the 30s. They're old. And a lot of it is still technically considered canon. Mm. It's a mess. I think I know. I know I've said this before in previous podcasts, but that's really why I prefer image comics when it comes to Western comics. Because I knew, I know I, well, actually I used to. I know image comics will come out with a single storyline unfortunately there have been some of my favorite comics that have not really gone anywhere or haven't been as good as i was expecting or they've gone on hiatus for three years hooray no 
I actually, I think the one comic that I've read that actually had an ending was Fables. Oh no, and Freak Angels, but that was a web comic. Yeah, no, I think everything else is still going. <laughs> yeah, it's I've mentioned in past things that I don't really read much Shonen anymore, and it's because I know you're saying these stories are ending, but Yakusoku no Neverland and Demon Slayer are both still. Well, Yakusoku no Neverland ended right on volume twenty, but Demon Slayer is twenty plus. Yes, and to me, that's too long. Fair enough. It's why I've stopped reading My Hero and things like that. Actually, I think My Hero is a shame because it's telling Western stories better than most Western comics. <laughs> That's true. But it's a I just... that never ends. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I just want more stories that are... Good. A story. Yeah. That's probably why I'm actually getting a lot more into um, novels lately than manga, is because at least I know it's going to end. Right. <laughs> Except for those few that are like, oh, this is the first book in a trilogy or the first book in a series of seven, in which case I don't bother reading any more than the first volume. <laughs> Story fatigue. It's it's a thing. But I guess when you get into something like really, really into it, I can understand why people want more. I would rather be left wanting more than, get than more. to s- stop reading something because I'm tired of it. Yeah. No, 100%. Leave me at the end excited about your work. Yes. That's all I want. Is that how you felt when you left yeah. Long Halloween? Yeah. I Now that you've mentioned that the, the, these two have done more works and he's done more stories, I'm, I'd be more intrigued to read them. Of course, I've, I've read Hush and I've read The Killing Joke, but I don't really The Killing Joke that. wasn't one of theirs. That was Alan Moore. And Alan Moore and I have my own issues with him. But. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Every single time we mention him, you're like, <laughs> Um. Well, uh, yeah, I think, again, but I think the reason I've only jumped into those is because they're standalone. I keep forgetting, you keep recommending um, those Marvel comics that I'm looking at right now. What are they, the big? Annihilation. Annihilation War, that's it. Which had the same issue as Green Lantern. Oh, it got popular? Abnett and Lanning, yeah, nobody was reading Cosmic Marvel, so Abnett and Lanning were like, hey, give it to us, and let us just have editorial oversight and freedom, do whatever we want with it, and don't touch it. And Marvel's like, well, no one else is buying it or reading it or wanting to do anything with it. So sure, it's not worth any money anyway. And, you know. They made it worth money. Yeah, they made it worth money. So they got out, finished their story, and then it all went to garbage again. Well, at least they managed to finish the story before it got um, hijacked. Mostly. Ah, okay. But now it's like half tied in with the Avengers and half tied in with this and half tied in with that. Wait, was Planet Hulk the beginning of that? Oh, okay. No, it I, is. You just it made is. Me read that separately. I just made you read that separately. Okay. <laughs> well, partially because we were going to go see Thor Ragnarok. Oh yeah, so long ago. Anyway, but yes, I would be intrigued to read more of their works as well as the ones that you've recommended to me. Um, I kind of want to reread some of the other comics I've got. Like I got um, Hawkeye. Yes, I got Hawkeye, um, which the art and the stories are really good fun. I hope they didn't ruin it. At least up to the four volumes that I bought and dragged all the way with us to Japan. Um, but yeah, no, this has got me back into a comic reading mood. All right. I blame you entirely. <laughs> well, just remember when reading Western comics. Oh, don't worry. I know, I know. I've been burned before. Okay, good. Yeah, we just had a whole conversation about how we were both burned before. Yes. Don't worry. But I, I want to like it so much. I know, I want to like it too. It's like, I just wish, I, there was another great Batman one called um, Batman Nine Lives, which was... I don't know that one. This whole f- film noir kind of telling 
Starts Catwoman, of course, but not the Catwoman <laughs> that you know. It, it's very much an Elseworlds. It is fully divorced from the DC world. But we don't really talk about Halloween that much because this was called the Long Halloween, and the murders start on Halloween and end on Halloween. Yes, but in the middle there isn't really much Halloween themes. It's very holidayish. It's true, but it was fun. It is, and I'm kind of glad I read it now. Hooray. Actually, wait, because I mean, Halloween means dressing up as your favorite like characters, which means a lot of superhero characters, I guess. And Bruce Wayne does dress up every night. Yeah, he does Halloween every day. We didn't even mention our favorite character in the book. Who? Alfred. Yes, Alfred is amazing. Just constantly throwing shade at Bruce. Yeah, and Bruce is too dumb to get it. Yes. Because he's a <laughs> crap investigator. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that might be where we call it then. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Otafuzusume, a recommendation from Anataka's spouse. You can find us on Twitter at Anibrose Creative. Or online at www.anibrosecreative.com. Um, I was Jen. I was Wesley. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.